0: to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 basketball podcast. I'm Carlos, brought to you by Homefield Apparel. I'm Carlos at Equity Run. Joining me for the last time, Reed at Pac-10 Reed. Let's talk some hoops. Talk some hoops. We're both big-time sad boys today. Uh, no Avery, no Greg. We're running a skeleton crew, the new basketball boys, uh, Reed and I. Congratulations, Reed. You've been bestowed upon you the title of basketball boy. Uh, but first, some housekeeping. As always, uh, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Don't know why I started there, probably because I don't have a nice little script in front of me telling me what to say next. Uh, But do go to our uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, leave us a five-star review, we'd really appreciate it. Also, like this video, subscribe to the channel, all four of you who are tuning in, all four of you sickos, we usually get a little bit more later on, Uh, and we have bonus football content as we always do on our Patreon at NerdTruckStops.com. Last week, we finally inducted. Uh, our first inaugural pac-12 hall of fame class uh it was a serious thing we took it seriously we did not do any joke things you're not going to see any cameron scadaboos in there you're not going to see uh you know who else it's a funny player everyone loves Britton covey we did talk about Britton covey being included in the pac-12 hall of fame <laughs> it was an embarrassment uh, that
1: was that it, that part should have been scrubbed that was the only moment <laughs> we weren't taking it seriously
0: uh, the biggest point of contention was Caleb Williams' inclusion. Uh, Reed was very against it, so tune in to see if we uh, we actually forced him to include him. I don't know why you, ha- I think you just hate Caleb Williams. I'm pretty sure that's it. I'm pretty sure you just don't like him. There's no other argument. Even your own fan no, base there, is calling
1: you out for not including Caleb Williams. There are just a lot of good players. I, I think like, <laughs> Yeah, this is the worst bit of all time. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. I, I, as a preview, like we came down, we only had a few spots left. We wanted to get some defensive players in there. And we had to have a conversation about like, Caleb Williams, Andrew Luck, DeAnthony Thomas, Roma Dunze. I do not think that that is a ridiculous conversation to have at all uh, in terms of what they have meant to the Pac-12. So I, I'm i offended by the uh, recency bias and lass- lack of respect for the history of this league. <laughs> Anyway, if you're interested to
0: see who else we inducted into that inaugural class, go to notruckstops.com. We had a lot of fun there. Uh, tomorrow we'll talk about a bunch of other stuff, including Eric Bieniemy going to UCLA as the offensive coordinator. Certainly a big name. Uh, they ha- their offensive coordinator has a much bigger name than their head coach does, so that's kind of interesting. <laughs> no shit. Um, yeah. I wondered. I was one. I, I'll talk. We'll talk about this on the Patreon. But I was wondering if they were going to go after Eric Bieniemy because he was the running backs coach for ucla right after deshaun foster had left or maybe like right at the right at the end like they may have overlapped or they may not have but uh i i i was wondering about that weeks ago and kind of was like you know there's some connection there but i didn't think it was gonna happen um so here we are anyway we'll talk about what that means for ucla if we think it was a good offensive coordinator hire don't think it's clear whether that's the case but we will talk about it tomorrow okay we have a lot of Pac-12 hoops to get to. We will talk about Juju Watkins going for 42 against Colorado. We will talk about um, Colorado, Utah, Oregon, their fucked up tournament chances. Um, but let's start with, I think, the biggest news of the weekend. Washington State had a weird, weird-ass weekend uh, in men's hoops. They beat Arizona in at the McHale Center in Tucson on Thursday 77 to 74 was a fun game, a, a total blast. One of the most fun games of the season, maybe the game of the season. Um, and they end up pulling out a win and sweeping the Wildcats in Tucson. Meanwhile, two days later on Saturday, last night, they play Arizona State in Desert Financial Arena in Tempe and lose by 12, 73 to 61. Washington State splits their Arizona trip and beats the top five team and loses to the unranked sub 500 team. What a, it was a weird weekend. Reed, did you have any thoughts about Washington State? I have many questions here that we can get into, but thoughts on their weekend as a whole?
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it was the best men's basketball game of the year uh i think there's some women's basketball games that definitely topped it ucla oregon state probably uh that's my favorite but on the men's side i think it was the best it was a big bit of an ugly close there for sure not the prettiest (laughs) basketball but i come away feeling better about washington state than i did going into the week um i think my question with them had been kind of like What's the ceiling of this team? How how high can they reach? And the fact that they went on the road and beat a one seed to me, uh, you know, really validated like okay, this team this team isn't just taking advantage of a kind of weak and unserious conference. They're actually beating a team that's on the one seed line. We can debate whether Arizona should be a one seed, but they probably are going to be one. And the fact that Wazoo's capable of doing that, I think, is. Extremely impressive, um, and they've been a you know extremely steady team over the last month. So I feel like one letdown game in Tempe, I'm willing to kind of look over. Uh, you know, it's it's not the first you alluded to that on Twitter. It's not the first time we've seen a team in whatever sport go to Tempe <laughs> and have a strange result. And so I think as historians uh, of the Pac-12, we can kind of put that in its rightful place in history. But the you know, completing a sweep of Arizona and really kind of leveling up and and playing uh, that well in a game where mile, you know, it didn't take some masterful performance for Miles Rice to get them there. Um, it didn't seem like you know they they didn't they shot thirty three percent from three. It wasn't like something that was wild and un repeatable i felt like um so i feel really good about wazoo i'm i'm super excited to see what they can do in the tournament uh and they're generally one of the best stories it seems like in all of college basketball right now
0: yeah i mean kyle smith is rightfully getting national player of the year buzz uh and and he should washington state may not be i <laughs> i'm dying to know if if the what the ap voters do in terms of like ranking washington state in the top 25 do they move them up because they did beat the beat Arizona in Tucson or do they move them down because they lost Arizona state? I suspect they will meet somewhere in the middle and kind of keep them at, you know, what are they? 21st in the AP poll. So they'll probably do that. Um, but yeah, I think they are—they are a national story and deservedly so. We can start with the Arizona game to give them their flowers. They just looked bigger than Arizona did. I, I mean, it was—it's weird because Arizona is a big, long team, and typically they're the team that's known to be bigger. But it felt like um, Oscar Clough, Isaac Jones um, were were just kind of and and Ruben Cinelli were just sort of bullying Arizona on the interior. Uh, it felt like Umar Ballo was. Uh, neutralized, I guess you could say, uh, Keisha Johnson didn't really, it didn't really feel like he had a good game. Um, it, it, Washington state size was quite overwhelming. I thought, uh, even though those big guys didn't get a ton of points, uh, they did a lot of, they did a great job of, um, keeping Arizona off the glass like Arizona does. I think they played each other to, uh, to, to, to a tie on the glass or close to, it. uh, it looks like Arizona had one more defensive rebound. um, so, yeah, I mean, the big story out of this one, I think, was Jalen Wells. Uh, Jalen Wells has come on as, I, I think, before, maybe like a, 10 days ago, I think it was pretty clear that Miles Rice was Washington State's best player and Jalen Wells was number two. Um, but Jalen Wells has taken over the mantle as the best team on this uh, on this Washington State, the best player on this Washington State team. He had 27 points uh, against Arizona on Thursday uh, looks like nine for 16 shooting, had a couple of boards, couple of assists, followed that up, uh, was preceded by, you know, 15 points against uh, Stanford, 12 against Cal, 13 against Oregon and, and all pretty, at a pretty efficient clip. Jalen Wells is another cool story. It's like, we've talked about Miles Rice's story. You know, he came back from cancer last year, uh, you know, was cancer free bat- last March. This is his, his, his you know, re- basically his red shirt freshman year. He's had like seven freshmen of the week honors. It's been a really great story to follow him. But Jalen Wells' story is is cool, too. He's like a Division II transfer. I think he might have been the Division II Player of the Year or something like that, or Division II All-American at Sonoma State. Uh, and he comes to Washington state and and as lit it up. I mean, he had an incredible game. He had that, the play of the game, I think in, uh, that four point play, uh, we we can talk about that, uh, where he gets it on the corner off an offensive rebound from Arizona state. I think it was, I think it was Oscar Clough that might've had that Isaac Jones. One of the two, uh, they kick it out to Jalen Wells. He drills, drills, uh, clutch three down three to Arizona, uh, and I think who was it that fouled him? Might have been
1: uh, I'm, the details are fuzzy. I think it was Keyshawn Johnson.
0: It was, yeah, I think it was Keyshawn Johnson. He fouls him, and so it's a four-point play. Washington State goes up by one, and at that point, it's just kind of keep way. I mean, credit to Washington State's defense also for ensuring that uh, Arizona didn't have a great uh, end yeah. to that. Shout out Part of the that was uh,
1: shout out the student who was mopping the floors down on that side of the court,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: getting Caleb Love to slip there on the end on a potential go-ahead,
0: um, go-ahead shot. Uh, Pack two champ, thank you. He's in the chat there in the chat saying it was Johnson, so thanks for that confirmation. Um, but he was, you know, Jalen Wells really hit the game-winning shot in this one um, and and was the one that kind of put Washington State ahead for good. Oh. Good for him. I mean, they've got a lot of really great stories on this team because, again, Kyle Smith has taken a mishmash of under unheralded, under-talented players and turned them into this, um, and into something that, you're right, Reed, it's repeatable. They're not, it's not a, yeah, they're taking 40, it's not last year where they're taking 43s and, you know, their percentage depend. it's going to vary wild widely and you know they might win and they might lose depending on how well they shoot this was they haven't shot really like that all year they're not trying to take a ton of threes they're a completely different team they play big they play on the interior and they're figuring it out so and credit to washington state for that win i mean that, i think after that game i thought it was definitively clear who the best team in the back 12 was but then you know saturday happened i don't know if you had any other thoughts about washington state uh arizona
1: Yeah, just the Jalen Wells piece, I think, is crucial. He was the only player who made a three all game. He was six for 10. Everyone else combined 0 for 8 from three. Um, God. And I feel like him coming on, we often see in March Madness, like that two-man game is what the best teams have. You can't... Yeah, people talk about that one singular guard, a Kemba candidate type thing, but like you do need a second player to kind of play off of someone and, and provide another threat. And I feel like he and miles rice if they're on like can really present some scary things for any team they play i i agree and this is they they've
0: they've got uh, a lot of different players who can contribute if it's not jalen wells it's just miles rice uh, isaac jones is is a consistent big man down there does a lot of really good stuff for them Andre yakomski didn't have a a, a great night uh, but he can turn it on and get, you know, 15 points if he, if uh, Washington State needs it. It's not coming from anywhere else. Um, so I'm, I, I'm curious to see what Washington State does from here on out. We can shift over now to the Arizona State game. Uh, maybe we don't have to get too into it because I think you're right. I think I'm willing to give them a pass because Arizona State basketball is just like a complete crapshoot. I Like I have no idea what I'm going to get from them any given night. And on this night, uh, you know, again last night against Washington State, uh I think we just saw number one, a team that was the most locked in defensively that I had seen Arizona State all season. They were more so than their offense, like they they, they shot well. Uh, they had some tough shots. Frankie Collins and Jemaya Neal, both aggressive uh, down there. Jose Perez had a great uh, had a pretty great aggressive night, especially you know getting into the lane and causing some fouls. But I think it was mostly Arizona State's defense was was really kind of stifling Washington State. I think Washington State wasn't quite prepared. It's fair to also say Washington State is coming off its biggest win, not just of the season, but maybe. In a long, long time. That was probably the most impressive win that they've had, given the fact... I mean, they've had you know, a couple of upsets of good teams, but this was like a coming out party for them. Yeah. It was like, hey, we're a top 25 team, and we just kicked uh, the number four team's ass. Like, that's At that's a coming out party. Too. That's not a... Yeah. Right. So, biggest game, I think, in in several years for Washington State, certainly of the entire Kyle Smith era... And then they got to play Arizona State on on Saturday in Tempe and Arizona State is not so bad as like they have enough talent to be able to take advantage of when teams are feeling a little sluggish and I think Washington state looked a little sluggish in this one.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty much my theory on the game too. I don't know. It feels lazy to say that in some ways but like I think that's accurate, honestly, in this case. Yeah. I feel like <laughs> yeah. I feel like they were lazy. They did turn the ball over they they didn't have as high energy. they weren't really hitting their shots, and Arizona State is not like completely devoid of talent uh and playmakers. you know when they're on, they can present some problems, so I'm willing to write it off. uh I'm willing to just focus on celebrating what Wazoo was able to accomplish against Arizona, yeah.
0: Um, On the Arizona side, Arizona obviously dropped uh, one to Washington, but they ended up beating the shit out of Washington the next day. Now, they got up to a big lead against Washington and sort of let Washington back into the game. I think the lead got cut to maybe about seven late. Of course, they turned it back on, expanded the lead. They end up winning by 16. In uh Tucson, they beat Washington. I think the interesting thing to come out of this is I'm not sure if you saw it, uh Kylan Boswell had another game where he struggled. He kinda improved a little bit in the second half, but in that first half was was looking looking bad. And there's a bunch of if you're like reading Twitter, first of all, there's some weird discourse around Kylan Boswell generally. Like, you know, you got twenty four seven message board writers on the timeline being like, Yeah, he's mentally fragile. Get him out of here. Um, which is wild for a twenty-four seven message board writer. Even them wild for even them to say uh but they're out there saying it um but then you've got all all these other weird rumors out there that he's like partying and drinking who knows i don't know i'm just like reading tweets and shit i have i have zero idea um whatever he's a college kid what what do we
1: care? (laughs) Equity Um, equity reporting on uh (laughs) just reading
0: tweets (laughs) just reading tweets from burners
1: um Either way,
0: uh, there's there's that discourse. But more importantly, I think, was just how he's looked on the court. He's looked kind of absent in a lot of these games. Again, turned it on in this one in the second half, kind of. But there was that moment, I'm not sure if you caught it, in the first half where Tommy Lloyd is kind of tearing into Kylan Boswell. Kylan Boswell looks checked out on the bench. Like, he's just kind of looking away, not making eye contact with Tommy Lloyd at all. I don't know if you thought anything of it.
1: Yeah, it was... It was very weird, Uh, and I think adding to the weirdness, I think it was Keyshawn Johnson was right there next to him and kind of like put his hand on his shoulder, kind of looked like he was directing his attention, like "look at coach, let's lock in here." And it was weird. I mean, Boswell just like textbook avoidant kind of reaction there of just looking away, trying to like avoid any eye contact. Clearly, not really uh grasping what was trying to be communicated to him there and i don't i don't know obviously we don't have those details in terms of like yeah what are the inner workings of the dynamics at arizona who's to blame for this uh i feel unqualified to say but certainly there has been a decline in kylan boswell's play this season uh he's a guy who we talked about early in the year as one of the most, if not the most important player for Arizona. It felt like he was this kind of point guard that they needed after Kreisa, who was going to be able to run the show and steady things for th- them in the biggest moments. Uh, and certainly, I mean, that whole whole starting five has important responsibilities that they each take on, and they each have a role in of their own. But I think a point guard always is going to have a huge control over the mindset of your team And the fact that he seems right now to be the least engaged player from that starting five is very worrying. Yeah, you've got Arizona fans who are sort of saying like, put in put
0: in Jaden Bradley, like, you know, let's see what he can do as a point guard. And he has come in to Bradley's credit, come in and and flash some good stuff as a point guard. But Kylan Boswell, I think is their most in terms of pure talent like i think probably their most talented player uh, i think he's a good player i i i tend to i tend to blame coaches on this one like tommy lloyd clearly hasn't gone through to him uh tommy lloyd clearly hasn't developed enough or put him in situations that he feels comfortable in um and it's kind of gotten weird i will say uh, and that's not a knock on like tommy lloyd i mean it kind of is it's it's now the second pouring guard in a row that looks like maybe they're getting run out of Arizona. Like Kirk Krisa, obviously derided uh, by fans outside of Arizona. Arizona fans loved him up until his last season. Uh, but he got worse pretty much every single year he was there. Last year, Kylan Boswell kind of comes in to spell Kirk Risa as a point guard. It looks like he's the better point guard by a huge mile. People wondering, why isn't Kylan Boswell playing? Why isn't Kylan Boswell playing? Um, and then he gets the nod this year after Kirkresa goes to West Virginia. and he has a great start, uh, but man, he's looked he he's looked brutal in stretches especially just kind of, you know, to your point, like disengaged. Uh, he had a couple of, zero point stinkers um this this game it looked like he had kind of picked things up over the past couple weeks you know he has a double digit games in each of the arizona state colorado and utah wins he was instrumental in the utah game um as a scorer and as a distributor uh look like things have kind of settled and then the washington state game happens and it's like it's we're kind of back to where we were which is kylan boswell looking checked out and looking like he's He's not really in the action all the time. He's kind of hanging out on the perimeter, and sometimes it looks like the way he's using himself or the way he gets used is he's just kind of either a decoy on the three-point line, and he's he's meant to just stretch teams out, and that's not – Kylan Boswell, I think, can do a lot more than that. Um, I think he's a lot more talented. I think he is – he should be a, a, a distributor, um, and he just hasn't been, so – it was really weird to see good for Arizona to figure it out and win, win against Washington either way, but they need him. I think they need him if they want to go deep. I don't think you can have your point guard being out there just hanging out on the perimeter, watching stuff happen. I don't know that that's feasible for Arizona's tournament. If they want to get to a final four. And I know that I give Arizona fans a lot of grief. If they want to get there, Kylin Boswell has to play. Like they can't just say, you can't just discard him for uh, Bradley, he's he's got to play he's they've got to figure out how to how to get him going
1: against a tournament team that stretch that they gave up in the second half uh, that's the game right there like they cannot have that that stretch that you know against washington yeah that cuts the lead from 18 points to eight against a good team that's a five-point lead to a 10-point loss you know and so it's weird i don't like my philosophy on this Arizona team for a while was okay. They're probably going to be a three seed or something. And I think that they can make some noise in that. And I keep looking at this bracketology stuff and they just seem like they are glued to that one line. <laughs> I do not really understand why I don't, I don't get any of this bracketology shit. I, I just, <laughs> I, I channel flip. I'm like, okay, Arizona, Arizona, Arizona does not look like a one seed to me, but okay, I guess, shout out, you're respecting the Pac-12, that's cool, and then I flip around, and I see all these teams who have losing records in conference, who are like projected eight seeds, and, you know, Oregon, Utah, Colorado, who we're about to get to, like, can't find their way into the tournament, Uh, so I'm like, how do you respect Arizona that much, and not respect the rest of the Pac-12? Yeah,
0: it seems really really weird to me. Um yeah, for I mean for context, it's like it feels to me that Houston Purdue and Yukon are glued to like they actually are glued to the one seeds. They're all three of them sit at the top there with just three losses. Um so it feels like they are locks. Um it's the fourth I think it's the fourth one seed that's giving people a bunch of problems and consternation. It's like you know Uh, I've got to go back and look at Lenarni's bracketology. But Arizona has six losses, but everyone else they're competing with also has six losses. Everyone else they're competing with keeps losing on the road. Um, So I I do think it looks like... um Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee is a six-loss team. They just avenged their shitty loss to Texas A and I don't know why I know that. Um, Come on, because I, you know, I think I, I think I know. I think the reason I know that is like I tune in to like I'm ready to tune into the UCLA game or something, and I get the tail end of Tennessee Texas A and M or something. And those those games end up mattering, I guess, for seating. Um,
1: did you see, Kansas, Did you see at the start of the uh, Arizona Washington game? It was on CBS, and they kicked off. Who was it? It was. Um, houston baylor really houston baylor was going into overtime and they were like they kicked them off they said head over to cbssports.com we're bringing you to we got to bring the tip of washington arizona (laughs) did carlos get the controls to the cbs (laughs) (laughs) big branch i mean houston and baylor those are i mean
0: what's baylor at right now they're for, baylor they a
1: four seed they're 14th overall it's like top they're 14th in Kempom. that's re-
0: yeah. that's so fucking funny well man big brand stuff there from the pac-12 about time pac-12 would have been saved if they did that for for all the other all the other games that's funny um anyway yeah we'll see quick off the top of your head who do you think's the best team in the pac-12 is it arizona or is it washington state <laughs>
1: Oh my, this is so tough. It's clearly, I mean, it's clearly those two. Uh, Rest rest in peace, top three, Arizona, Washington State, and UCLA. (laughs) (laughs) Rest in peace after this weekend to your Bruins. I think I I still will go Arizona. Uh, They're Mm. incomplete, but I just, I do like that five. I'm a sucker for Arizona, though. If people don't know the lore, I think I've picked Arizona, in my bracket to win the national title three of the last five years, and they've wow, they've no, gone I out did and, not
0: know that <laughs> they've gone <laughs> out
1: in the first week and every time. So uh, something about that Arizona logo I, I have burned into my head as maybe it's from playing college hoops two K seven or something, but that's that's supposed to be a Final Four team, clearly not the case because it's definitely not from real life that I have that association. <laughs>
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think I'm going to pick Washington State. Um, I I think Washington State has, you know, the Arizona State game is just like, you know, I guess it's probably a letdown game. If I'm willing to say that that's a letdown game and it's like Arizona State and they're weird, then I'm just going to fully give them a pass for it and say, yeah, I I think I, I, I would pick Washington State because I think Their size is, uh, you know, I think they're probably one of the biggest teams in the country. I got to go back and look at the Kempom height statistics. In fact, I can do that right now. They are, um, wow, they are number one in the country in average height. Wow. At 79.3 inches. Um, That's pretty good. (laughs) I did not know. I was like, they're probably one of the biggest teams in the country. No, they are the biggest team in the country. I mean, they've got... Makes sense to me. I mean, they have uh, Isaac Jones and Oscar Clough, two really big guys who are their four and their five. But their wings are 6'8". Uh, Jalen Wells, Andre uh, and then their backup center, 6'11", Ruben Chaniello. He's basically the sixth man off the bench. Um, so, and, they, and their guards are big, too. It's like Miles Rice in the backcourt. He's 6'3". It's a big guard there. So, yeah, they are the biggest team in the country, which is really weird to say. But they've also got, I think, two players who are March kind of March ready. Right. I think in March you need like a perimeter player who's going to get hot. I know that that's Caleb will Caleb love as well. Um, but I feel like Jalen Wells and between Jalen Wells and miles rice, like they've got two legit scores. Uh, they've got two elite rebounders. They've, they've got pretty much everything. I think they've got, I think what they're missing is maybe a little bit of shooting, but Yakimovsky is a, is a good shooter. Miles rice can shoot. Um, you know, the Jalen Wells obviously can shoot, So I think they're a pretty balanced team. I I think Washington state to me, and they just sweeped Arizona. Uh, I I think Washington state to me is the best team in the PAC 12. I think the, the margin is narrow, narrow as hell. I don't know if Washington state is going to end up winning the comp regular season conference, Washington state, their remaining games are home against USC home against UCLA home against Washington. They should beat all three of those teams. Frankly, I think the toughest game there will be home against UCLA if we see the UCLA that we saw last night against USC, that should be an easy way to uh, a, a win there, uh, to, you know, sweeping there. And I think they might end up with a share. No, they would be – they need Arizona to lose one more. Arizona, on the other hand, um, they have to go to Arizona State. I think they will beat the shit out of Arizona State in Tempe. But you never know. That game was weird last year, and then I think Arizona State ended up winning – well, I don't know what happened in Tempe. I think Arizona State ended up winning in the McHale Center on a, like, three-quarter court buzzer beater. Um, and then Arizona has to play Oregon, and they have to go to UCLA, to USC. Kind of tough. I think they've, you know, I think it'd be hard to go, it's hard to play on the road generally. They get to sweep the LA schools? I don't know. We'll see. They did sweep the mountain schools, and that's kind of a tougher road trip. So, uh, but Washington State, definitely, uh, they need one loss from Arizona, and they uh, have, have, have complete control um over their regular season title hopes and i think it would be well deserved i do think they're the best team in the pac 12
1: um how far do you think washington state can get in the tournament before we move on i think they can make it out of the first weekend i don't think yeah i I would be shocked if they made a final four Um, maybe that's just my wazoo logo (laughs) bias creeping in there but i think they could make a sweet 16 (laughs) yeah
0: I uh I, I think that's right. I I don't know. I mean, sometimes I'm like if if Arizona if Washington State and I someone tweeted at uh, me at this. I think this was one of the Coog Center guys. Uh he was like, "Well, I think we're going to beat Arizona State because I tweeted early in the day like I got weird vibes about this Washington State Arizona State game. Feels to me like this could be a weird game cuz Washington State's coming off its best win in years. Arizona State's a weird fucking team. It's in Tempe. Like, I think this is going to be strange. I think I think things are going to get weird. They did indeed get weird. Um, but I was saying to him, like, if they beat the shit out of Arizona State, I'll start thinking they're a Final Four, a legit Final Four contender. I think it's way more instructive to know what they do after the big game sometimes than the big game. And this kind of told me that, okay, they're not, like, invincible. Um, they can be got. And I, I think to that end, I'd agree. They feel like a Sweet 16 team, which, I don't know, we're <laughs> – I hope Washington state fans don't take that as an insult because like they, they haven't made the tournament in a long time. And we're talking about them as a second, a second weekend team, uh, immediately. So, um, anyway, so that's, that's completely fair. Let's move on to the other results around the PAC 12 Oregon starting there. They lose to Cal in Berkeley, 69 to 64. You got to watch the vast majority of this game uh, going there. They ended. They do beat Stanford on Thursday, so we can kind of skip that game. They did what they had to do there. But they do lose to Cal thanks to 27 points from Jalen Tyson. Um, you got to watch this one. I didn't. What What the hell happened here?
1: God, this road trip was scary. They just needed to lock in and, and just escape the Bay 2-0, and basically it – all fell apart uh in the second half here. I think it was like a 8 minute field goal drought for Oregon at the absolute worst time. Uh you can I mean, the story of the game pretty much is that. You can pull up the game cast here kind of and it's the entire way looks like Oregon's going to win, looks like Oregon's got, you know, 5 to 10 point lead going into the final like 12 minutes there and just falls off a cliff completely flips over the next 8 minutes um to a cal advantage and cal kind of just boxed it out the rest of the way uh no one really had it going for Oregon in this game i think uh jackson shellstad who we've talked about a lot this season the ducks have kind of gone as he goes in many spots uh and he was 2 for 11 only 7 points in this game and on top of that man, at times he can be a brutal defender to watch as a freshman. Uh, And I think he played a big part in uh, Jalen Tyson's huge game for Cal. Uh, There was a lot of action for the Ducks where they would kind of blitz screens with the big. um, And it felt like it was allowing um, Farquaad's AMAC to kind of get, get behind the defense I guess and it didn't result in points as often as it resulted in kind of rebounds and positioning down low for him um yeah they they just did not have many answers and it felt like shellstad's lack of play offensively uh, you know was magnified by the fact that he was a defensive liability for large stretches of this game and that that really stunk because with the injuries around Oregon, like there weren't other options really. Uh, there was no Keyshawn Bartholomew to switch to in this game. There, you know, Mookie Cooks out. Uh, Kwame Evans went down with an injury a, in this game as well. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens here. I think we'll get into the tournament chances. There's maybe a slim hope at an at-large bid. They're currently, I think, the ninth team out for Joe Lenardi, But if you can't win against Cal. What hope do I have of of them finishing out the rest of the stretch? Uh, not not much at all. I think it's mostly let's try to get a first round by and and see if we can strike some chaos in Vegas.
0: Yeah, just the just so people know what Oregon has left on their schedule. They've uh, they host Oregon State. I think they probably should win that game. And then they've got kind of a kind of a sneaky tough end to the season. They have to go to Tucson to play Arizona uh, and then they host the mountain schools, both of which are also fighting for their tournament lives um so i I don't know I think it's kind of interesting and exciting from that perspective that you're gonna get Oregon Colorado and Utah uh playing one another in the last couple of games because those are the tournament teams that the pac12 might have uh, but but you know we'll see who emerges from that stack if any of them um but yeah it really does feel like Oregon needs to win out they've got to get the upset win against Arizona in Tucson feels like a tall task because Arizona after losses, they got a, they got a good stretch there. Um, uh, we can talk a little bit about that, but we'll see. Uh, just so people know, I completely forgot to mention this <laughs> entering the weekend. Washington state was a, uh, quad one loss or, and I guess after the game, Washington state was a quad one loss for Arizona. They lose to Arizona state. Washington state does. And now it's a quad two loss. So, Washington State was a quad two game for Arizona. Very cool stuff. Oregon, on the other hand, in the net rankings, they are 64th now after dropping them with their 59th entering that game. Um, their their tournament chances are clinging to dear life. Yeah, uh, as we talked about, they gotta win out.
1: Well, and the interesting thing with that um, Washington State point is. You might not remember it, but Oregon won in Pullman early this season. Uh, you know, yep. uh, something that was surging for them in their resume. And I think, especially at the Arizona game, was a it left a big door open for them. You just bolstered your biggest win. They won at Arizona. Um, they looked like the best team of the conference, and you had a road win over Wazoo, it looked like. And then on Saturday, literally every team on the outside of the bubble all the the first four and next four out, everyone loses except for Colorado because Colorado and Utah played each other, so one of them had to win. Every other team loses. It's right there for Oregon to kind of step up. Just, just win a game against Cal. Just don't, don't have an eight-minute period where you completely lose a hold of your offense. And all of a sudden, they're probably right on that. You know, One of those first four teams out, they have plenty of ammunition over the final stretch to go three and one and maybe sneak into the bubble. Um, and you lose to fucking Cal. And I think the sad part (laughs) of it is like you go through this Oregon schedule. Um, and this is the lowest point I think, because up until this, like they've just played a lot of close games. They haven't had anything that's been too embarrassing. I think every everything has been pretty understandable. Their losses in conference have been at the mountain schools. um, At Utah was a super close game. That's impressive. They lost to Arizona at home when Arizona shot the hell out of the ball that game. And, you know, they're a really good team. They lost at UCLA when UCLA was surging, they lost to Wazoo at home. Like, None of these games were a black mark on Oregon's resume some really. The UCLA game was out of context, but I think in context we knew that UCLA team was playing pretty well at the time and it was a road game. Um but this Cal one is probably the worst loss of Pac-12 play so far and it comes at just the absolute worst time. And now like I said going into that final stretch, it cuts both ways. Uh there's some there's some potential on the the rest of the schedule if you win out like they're you can bolster your case, um, but at the same time, you lose two of these games, and all of a sudden, you're sitting outside of the top four in the Pac-12, and you have to play on Wednesday and win four games in a row to save your tournament re- tournament life. And as we know in this conference, like Oregon is not good enough to walk in on Wednesday against fucking anyone and say that that's <laughs> like a sure win in Vegas. You know that extra game matters a lot for any of these teams.
0: I think that's true. I will say, though, the Cal game, probably a black mark. But Cal has been a very good team over the past, true. you know, really since mid-January. I mean, that's the shitty part. And we we foresaw this coming. You foresaw this coming months ago when you're like, there's a bunch of teams in the middle. And, like, no one's really horrible. Um, you got a bunch of really – you got some even competent teams down there at the, quote, bottom of the conference Cal's not even bottom of the conference anymore, by the way. They have a winning record in conference play. They are sixth place in the Pac-12. They are 9-8. Over their last um, 10 games, they're 7-3. Their losses were to Arizona in Tucson. They got their asses handed to them. Um, Home against UCLA in a tight game that they very well could have won. Uh, and they got blasted at Washington State, which we just said probably has an argument for the best team in the Pac-12. Other than that, they've beaten Washington State. Uh, it, that that game was in Cal. That started off some of this run. Uh, Stanford, they beat Arizona State. They beat USC. Uh, they beat Washington, Oregon State, Oregon, all pretty much cementing themselves as like the fourth best. You know, feels like right now the fourth best team in the Pac-12. We'll find out. They've got to finish their season. Uh, on the road they go at colorado at utah at stanford to close things out for the year but i don't know cal is like they're they're kind of ruining a bunch of chances right now they're really wrecking they're really wrecking shit and they'll get a chance to be bigger wreckers uh next over the next couple of weeks when they've got to play colorado utah um and then stanford doesn't isn't quite playing for anything but um colorado and utah are, and, and i would not i would not bet against call i would not bet against cal uh i think that they are a tough team and oregon unfortunately just ran into another hot team that was sitting in the middle of the conference um so uh let's move on here to talk about the mountain schools utah and colorado played a game colorado beat the shit out of the moose in boulder 89 to 65 big game from kj simpson here kj Simpson. I mean like legitimately has a a Pac-12 player of the year argument probably should be an All-American as Tad Boyle was saying in his conference Uh, he had 28 points off 10 for 15 shooting uh, four boards three assists Um, great game from him they got contributions from all over the place Javon Hadley had a great game he had 20 points himself Tristan De Silva Eddie Lampkin both getting in double digits Big game from, uh, from from Colorado, Utah, and that was a huge game for them. Uh, they desperately needed this one. Colorado now 35th in the net rankings. They move up from 41st. I think in the seed line, in, they are, in Joan Lenardi's bracketology here, they are one of the first four out. I think this is, is today the 25th? Yeah. So he has actually Utah ahead of Colorado in the first four out just a couple of spots utah on the other hand drops from 46th in the net to 53 man both of these teams are right there in the bubble um and it's it's they they beat each other on the road uh, at home which makes sense to me because that's what this league is and that's what utah and colorado are but any thoughts about colorado and utah and i
1: I don't know whose chances do you like better to get in? It's really good. It looks like it feels like it's going to be one of those two. Yeah, I didn't get to watch much of this live, but uh, I would say it was not that difficult of detective work figuring out what happened. <laughs> 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 You're telling me Utah went on the road to Colorado and shot 17 percent from three, huh? I wonder how that game went. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I. Cannot figure out this Utah team at all. I, again, I mean, maybe I just sound like an idiot here, but I don't understand how bracketology works whatsoever. <laughs> Utah is sixteen and eleven. They're they're fine. They're seven and nine in conference. I don't understand why they're getting so much respect. I mean, it's like locking into just Pac twelve play, uh, especially is Utah. They're they're being billed as the third best team in the conference. I think, in the, I mean, in the conference standings, they're what uh, eighth right now. So yeah, something like that. I don't know. I I I think I like Colorado's chances better. Um, I like KJ Simpson a lot. I I think he's cementing himself as the best player on this Colorado team but I like how talented they are uh I don't know that I love Tad Boyle as a coach but I think I think they just have a a really good roster I mean there's a reason that we thought so highly of them going into the season and they were kind of that other top 25 team we thought um and I think they can still figure that out in moments so I would take Colorado over Utah right now and uh bracketology has turned me into a Utah hater in general (laughs) both of these teams have been cold as hell uh
0: the past couple weeks Colorado three and four over their last seven Utah two and six over their last eight uh they've been on quite a slide Colorado now they did win two in a row they beat USC in double overtime it was in LA though so I guess it's like Colorado got a road win that's all you can ask for, I suppose. Uh, and then they beat the shit out of Utah. But before that, they lost to UCLA, lost to Arizona, did beat Arizona State, lost to Utah in Salt Lake City. Of course they did, uh, and lost to Washington State. So it this is weird. They both they both get the Bay Area schools and the Oregon schools. They get the Bay Area schools at home. They get the Oregon schools on the road. Going to be interesting. I mean, theoretically, both of these teams could win out and make that make the field. But it really feels like one of these teams is gonna falter and the other one is gonna figure it out. Maybe they could both falter as well. Um, I don't know. I mean I think well Colorado is a more talented team, absolutely. Um, I, and right now they probably look like the better one. I mean KJ Simpson is the best player on the court uh, for in most of the games that Colorado plays. And after that, I mean it's like if you just ranked the Colorado and Utah players, it's like Colorado probably has the first top the top three best players, you know. Definitely. Tristan Silva, yeah. KJ Simpson, Cody Williams. Um, meanwhile, on the other side, it's like Utah has another disappearance act from disappearing act from its stars, name, namely Brandon Carlson. Six points of three for eight shooting. He only took eight shots. Had six boards in this game. That's that's rough from what is supposed to be your best player. And Brandon Carlson has had a couple of these games where he's disappeared in really big moments. Um, it really feels like Gabe Matson is the only one who's who's showing up, and Davon Smith to a, to a lesser degree. Um, but Brandon Carlson has been man. He is he, he's given me not in terms of style of play, but in terms of like disappearing. Like sometimes he gives me Jackson Shellstad vibes. He's had a couple of these games <laughs> where it's like not not Jackson Shellstad. Oh my God,
1: Will Richardson. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes Jackson shows that's a youngin. Yeah, yeah, he, he, gets, like, he gets a pass. Okay, we don't we don't have to go that hard on Jackson. He's he's no no, I'm talking out. about Will Richardson. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. That um, that I will give you for sure for sure.
0: <laughs> um, so I don't know. Both of these teams, they're right. They they have the shot. They're they're in the first four out. You know. We we will we will find out just what these teams are made of. I think over the next couple of weeks. One of the and
1: someone has to make it right. We have to get a third team in. I feel like. God, it does not feel. It doesn't feel guaranteed to me.
0: I mean, here's the thing: Do you trust either? What do you trust either Utah or Colorado
1: to win out next over the next next two weeks? No. Um, I wonder though. I, I'm not sure how this stuff works. We were talking to our homie Cam, and he kind of brought up an interesting point of he was like, because he's more of a national basketball sick, national college basketball sicko, and was like, the bubble is always a mid off over the final two weeks. Teams are always dropping games left it's and true. right. And that was absolutely true on Saturday. So maybe I'm underestimating the fact of like, if Oregon could, uh, you know, beat Oregon State beat the mountain schools at home and lose to Arizona or maybe whatever, whatever it looks like, maybe they win at Arizona and split the mountain schools like three and one. And maybe you make the semis or the finals of the PAC 12 tournament and you get a win over Washington state in Vegas, lose to Arizona in the final or something like, could that get you in? Um, I don't know. Cause I don't know how this works. Apparently, <laughs> apparently Utah can go two and six and not move an inch off the bubble really it feels like or, or i guess they dropped a little yeah. bit into the bubble but uh, i'm like how is this 16 and 11 t- still two spots out um what how here's another way to look at it though how much win equity do you think Arizona and Washington state have in Vegas right now you know what what percentage of the time does either Arizona or Washington state win the Pac-12 tournament
0: God. This year? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It feels like I mean, I've got to do the map I was doing the mapping out before we got on here of the bracket. Um Arizona would have to go through they'd have to play Utah or UW in the first, you know, in the Thursday game, because Utah and UW are, you know, they don't get a buy. So Arizona does. So Utah would have to go through one of Utah UW. Feels doable. Uh, then they'd have to get through maybe a UCLA or a Colorado. Um, and then they would have to play, you know, maybe the Washington State if Washington State makes it that far. Washington State, on the other hand, would have to get through. Um, they, it looks like they might have to get through. They'll have to get through an Arizona State. They'd have to get through, you know, maybe a, 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 an Oregon. I mean, they're better than those teams, but.
1: I don't know. What's your answer to this? I I landed on like sixty percent. I think. I mean, we said interesting them against the field. Like, wh- what do you think? Because you can have those two to win or the other ten. I lean those two, but it's really close to me. <sighs> it is really close. I, my my prediction is
0: that we will not see an Arizona State. Arizona Washington State rematch in the turn in the title game, and I don't know. I mean I, I i'd I'd probably I'd probably give the field. I'd probably pick the field honestly. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably give it like fifty five percent to the field. Right, just because Arizona is a vulnerable team. Uh, now Arizona under the Tommy Lloyd era is like literally never lost in Las Vegas. So like, there's that aspect of it. They have not lost. They've unfortunately for me they've they've swept every single time for you now two straight uh conference tournaments who who knows things might be a little bit different but it does not it feels like arizona has is a little bit better from last year and everyone is a little bit worse there's no ucla rivaling them or even you know ucla was a better team that year there's there's not that so i, I i'd probably pick oh god i'm gonna go i'm actually gonna flip to your side i'm gonna say 60 percent arizona or washington state i've talked myself into it
1: Will you change your opinion on what Arizona can do in March if they win the Pac-12 tournament? No, because they've done it already.
0: They've done it. No, I, like, I just, I've seen this before.
1: <laughs> I just had to set you up for that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, they've done it. it. Nothing. Nothing until the tournament. Like, well, it shouldn't. Like, no one should feel differently about Arizona and what they do in the tournament until they actually do it. Because two straight years uh, of that is um two straight years yeah two straight years of that is is pretty rough
1: i really Um, i wanted them to just be like a valid three or four seed but somehow they've they've just stuck up there and i mean good for them for being a one but they're absolutely fraudulent we all know it they don't they don't deserve to be a one seed not like in the general sense they don't feel like this unbeatable one seed to me at all
0: no, I, 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 they don't feel that way to me either. Uh, shout out to one of who does got here, one of Sam Houston, Eastern Kentucky, South Dakota State, Merrimack, Norfolk State, Grambling State. Shout out to one of those schools for maybe being able to pull off yet another sixteen to one upset over Arizona. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, okay, so let's uh, let's stop there with men's basketball. When we come back, let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about Juju Watkins, the women's side. We'll talk about our conference tourney picks. So far, where we'd have them, don't go anywhere. Pac-12 Sickos, it is women's basketball season. If you have not been keeping up with the Pac-12 women's basketball, you haven't been listening to our episodes, Pac-12 Women's Hoops is on a damn heater. Uh, they have several top 10 teams. They look like they have four of the best teams in the country, maybe five of the top six or seven. Pac-12 women's basketball is on another level, and you should support your women's teams by going to home field and buying one of their shirts. Uh, One of my favorite shirts right now in the home field UCLA collection is this UCLA women's basketball shirt commemorating their 1978 national championship. It is a gorgeous shirt, Uh, it's got this lovely cream color, this vintage 1970s logo and design. It's gorgeous, it's super soft, it's super comfortable. I really enjoy it. There's a lot of really great shirts out there commemorating women's basketball all across the Pac-12. You should go check that out. Uh, These shirts are comfortable, they're incredible, they're great to look at. I get comments on them all the time, people being like on the streets just saying, where'd you get that shirt, that's cool. Uh, Especially if you live in a college town where people actually care about these things. I think you'd stand out. Go check that out at homefieldapparel.com. You can save if you're a first-time customer by entering the code stops 23 at checkout. Welcome back. Let's get to talking about women's shoes. first, real quick, uh, I did update the bracket as it were to exist today. Here's, here's what the Wednesday men's matchups would be on March 13th, that first day. Uh, you get Utah UW to start things off, and then Colorado, Oregon State in the five twelve spot, ASU, Stanford in the seven ten spot, and a really fun one, man! I'd be really excited for this one, Cal USC in the six eleven spot. Um, the four buys would go to Arizona, UCLA, Washington State, and Oregon. Um, I did not finish off that, um, so I'll, I'll I'll post that. See see how people are feeling about it. Um, I think who gets the two seed? I think it'd be Washington state at this point. Yes, it would yep. be. Um, and then Oregon would get, Oregon would get a buy, right? I'm reading this yes. right. They'd get the three seed. Yeah. So Oregon and Wazoo would have to play one another Um, if they wanted to, to make it um, before past their respective rounds. So we'll, we'll find out what happens there. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about some women's hoops. Let's talk about the only ranked matchup that has happened so far. We've got actually a huge UCLA, Colorado game, this afternoon, so that should be a lot of fun. But USC hosted Colorado and won 87 to 81 off the back of another fucking unbelievable performance from Juju Watkins. Juju Watkins uh scored 42 points off 10 for 19 shooting. She had eight rebounds, she had four rebounds, four assists, four steals. She did have turn ten turnovers though. <laughs> uh that's a freshman tax. But USC Now they moved to twenty one and four, um, and I should go look at what their net ranking is. But they look like a legitimate uh, national title contender themselves. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if you've got to watch this one, Reid, or like. But I'm I'm curious to hear from you. Like, what's your perception? You know, you're you're kind of casually following along with this, as as we all are. What is your perception of what USC women's basketball is?
1: I just love Juju Watkins. I wish I was uh, there last week to argue about player of the year race for wins basketball because I'm firmly in the Juju Watkins camp. And let me tell you, I I must really love Juju Watkins because I fucking hate USC Athletics. Any chance I can get to shit on USC Athletics, I will gladly take it. Um, Juju Watkins has single-handedly transcended that for me. She is so fun to watch. I don't give a shit about turnovers. I just love that. I I, I love her just like taking that many shots, uh, putting the team on her back. Like, and the fact that it has, it has translated to winning basketball at the degree that it has over this past month is so interesting to me. Um, I feel like I would definitely put her at the top of this race. I mean, you know, Stanford lost this week to Arizona obviously uh and USC kind of is surging into best team in the Pac-12 territory uh, and it's 100% because of Juju Watkins um this game yeah i i didn't get to watch a lot of it live uh went back and looked at it the shooting displays from both teams was absurd Colorado hit 54% from 3 USC said we have one, bet- one better we'll shoot 68 percent from three in this game absurd shooting display um yeah my feelings on usc generally uh i don't know nationally at all i mean i i hear south carolina is really good we've had this discourse uh boo, i think i think boo. it's i i agree with you all um like <laughs> i don't know pac 12 never gets the benefit of the doubt in in any sport of being treated like a jargonet. uh the losses just never seem to get excused out here because people just don't watch our games. But yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see what happens. I just think Juju Watkins is electric. She has won me over as like the player I'm most drawn to see, and has made USC the most interesting team to watch for me. But I I think Colorado's really good too. It's tough to beat USC when Juju's on like that and they're shooting this much from three yeah,
0: um, they desperately and they desperately need to get going from three. I think it's hard to beat a team that's yeah shooting sixty eight percent from three uh, and taking nineteen of those shots. it's it's pretty good., uh, but I mean, so much of that is is Juju Watkins' gravity. you know, I got to watch some of this game and her gra- like <laughs> it's pretty clear that it's like the the task is stop Juju Watkins at all costs um for anyone that has to play USC because if she is held to you know, 28 points off 30 shots or something like that you got a pretty good chance of winning like well you have a decent chance of winning um, a better chance than if you just let her go for 42 points uh off of 19 shots it's pretty ridiculous and the, and here's the thing i think right now there's not a lot of national discourse about usc because you know they're all their games are on the pac-12 networks the the most national discourse we'll get is when box score watchers are like, oh, my God, Juju Watkins at 51. You got engagement farmers being like, Juju Watkins was feeling it tonight, 51 points. And that's great. Good for her. But these people aren't watching the games. They're not watching. When, when, not if, but when USC gets into the national spotlight, when Juju Watkins gets into the national spotlight, I already know what the discourse is going to be. And everyone should watch out for this. And maybe it's true, but everyone's going to watch out for this. People are going to say they hate watching her. And the reason why is because she gets to the line a fuck ton. That is like maybe her best attribute is going downhill, getting into the lane, and getting foul shots. That's She had 18 foul shots. Made all of them, but she had 18 foul shots in this game. That is a quintessential Juju Watkins game. Like she just puts so much pressure on your defense and is like, yeah stop me or foul me like you do one of those two and the and the answer is almost always foul her um she's had 10 plus free throw attempts in one two three four five six seven different games this season uh her her season and career high for free throw attempts in a game was actually uh, the 51 point game against stanford in in maples pavilion that's gonna be the the discourse you're gonna hear is that people hate watching Juju Ju- Ju- Ju Watkins and that that she's not as aesthetically pleasing to watch as Caitlin Clark, but she's brutally efficient in a, in these games when she has to s- get to the line, right? Um, and it's just a matter of can teams stop her from getting there and and her getting a ton of fouls, and she is fun to watch because she puts so much pressure on on opposing defenses that way. So, uh, and she did it against Colorado was just attacking, putting her head down and saying, I'm going to attack and got 18 foul shots because of it. Um, so good for her. I think her biggest and best attribute, her most, I I think to me, her best attribute is as a defender. Uh, I think as a defender, she was on this game as a defender. I I think that she gets underrated pretty significantly as a defender. She had four steals. Um, she averages like three steals and two. She averages two point six steals a game, one point six blocks a game. She's just all over the place as a help defender. She's a pretty good on ball defender, but as a help defender, she's a fucking nightmare. You do not want her roaming. I think you almost rather rather her stick to someone. But if she's roaming around, she's gonna get her hands on the play in some way. Um, and that to me is why she wins Pac-12 Player of the Year. And Cameron Brink, I get it, is like you know a, a Pac-12 defensive player of the year um uh you know kind of level player on that side um and Cameron Brink is a good op- but Juju Watkins is a better offensive player than Cameron Brink is and she's nearly as good of a defender as Cameron Brink Juju Watkins is so um she's my Pac-12 player of the year choice right now I I, ha- I don't watch teams outside the Pac-12 but I also am I'm still willing to make the argument that USC uh probably is better than most of them I'd, I'd i'd pick them to beat you know iowa i'm hearing the analytic arguments for south carolina i get that but most of the analytics uh her hoop stats is a commonly cited one and i and i and i like her hoop stats well enough but the we've seen these sort of bayesian type of uh statistics not to get really technical here but her hoop stats uh their rating is based off of how they would perform against an average team and I guess I just don't value beating the shit out of average teams by fifty as much as I do beating the beating good teams by two, three, four, five. And South Carolina is getting a lot of chances to beat the shit out of some average teams down there in the SEC. Again, the ranking situation, you know, being what it is. On the Colorado side, I will say though. Um Jalen Sherrod I think has come down to earth a little bit. I think she was their best player coming into this one. They Colorado's thing has always been this season that they've been a balancing, but it really felt like Jalen Sherrod was starting to emerge as like, Oh yeah, this is their best player. Like this is the player who's going to carry them she's been quieted a little bit and so now they've colorado has kind of gone back to being by committee they had four players five players in double digits uh quay miller kindle weta who's getting the starts now uh ernet van and jalen sherrod along with maddie nolan off the bench um and that's kind of how they do it is they 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 are really by committee they're really deep they've got a lot of different players they can throw at you but i do think they need a star i think in this like in this landscape of uh of women's hoops they need Jalen Sherrod to be that star. And if it's not her, it's gotta be someone. You know, it's gotta be Frida Foreman lighting it up from three. She did not have a good game this game. Um and and frankly, they need Frida Foreman to get going. I think she might be banged up, if I remember correctly. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I'm 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 curious to see how Colorado progresses. I think they're still a damn good team. They have six losses on the season now. Um, I think all five of them are to like, you know, the the best teams in the conference. They have a loss to UCLA that they could avenge tonight. Uh, today. Um, they've got a loss to Oregon state in Gill Coliseum. They've got losses to Oregon state in, uh, in Boulder and they lost to Utah lost at USC. They're on a three game slide right now um, against top 25 teams and, and really top 20 teams. And now they got to play UCLA at in Poly Pavilion at six o'clock. So We'll see. It's going to be really interesting to see how Colorado progresses. But USC is is figuring it out. They look really, really good right now. They are on a seven-game winning streak. Their last loss was to Washington, ironically. <laughs> Can't have losses. I really wish they did not have losses to you know mid-teams like that. Washington's fine. Their defense is really, really good, but they have no offense to speak of. Um, so I guess we'll find out um, tonight if you're wondering who USC plays. they got to play Utah. So it's going to be really, really fun tonight. I think it's going to be a fun— Fun set of games at 12 o'clock. Go check that game out. USC Utah should be a lot of fun. Uh, That game will be in Galen Center. We'll see if Utah
1: can figure its stuff out.
0: Uh, Any other thoughts or questions about uh, Pac 12 Open Soups?
1: I guess from a casual perspective, like I'm wondering the ceiling on some of these teams because it is odd with how good the league is. Like we've seen every one of these teams suffer a loss and get exploited multiple times, you know? So it's easy to kind of, um, I, I guess it's easier to envision them losing in March because we've seen all of them lose in big spots. Do you think any of these teams are national title ceiling worthy? Do you think like, how many do you feel are final four caliber teams What's your read on that? A lot of
0: them. Yeah. A lot of them.
1: I mean, Stanford, I think, is an obvious one. I think they have been
0: called out for not having great guard play, and I think that's true, but they do have one of the best defensive players in the country in Cameron Brink, and Kiki Ar- Offen is one of the best offensive players in the country, I think. Uh, You know, another big there. So I-, I think Stanford is a legit national title contender. I think Oregon State, too. Like, I know that that probably feels weird because it's Oregon State and they've got the brand thing, but... Reagan Beers, a fantastic big. You need a really good big in this um, in this era right now. Talia Van Alhoffen, a uh, really good guard. Uh, maybe one of the uh, is gonna be is moving into Pac-12 All All Conference First Team, I think, um, and has really proven to be a clutch player in really really big moments. Uh, and they've got a, a, another cast of characters there. USC, oh, I struggle with USC mostly because it's like it's Juju Watkins or bust. And yeah. I don't know if it's fair to say that Juju Watkins i I would not expect Juju Watkins. I think it'd be too much pressure to put on a true freshman to like say, yeah, you can be a national title contender, but they're playing as well as anyone in the country right now. So they,
1: they have they kind of feel more like giant killers to me than like mm. the juggernaut in and of themselves. Like it, it mm-hmm. feels like Juju can have that game where like if you tell me they play South Carolina in Elite Eight or something, you know, obviously I don't know a ton about South Carolina, but who's to say like Juju can't have a crazy game where they win, but at the same time can they sustain that level like throughout an entire tournament run? It feels like because it's so centered on her, maybe it's a little less uh, repeatable.
0: Yeah, I I, I think you're right. I think it's probably like over the course of six or seven or eight games or however many they'll have to play. I think Juju Watkins probably won't be able to carry. But, yeah, if they if it's like they get seeded, they've got to, for some reason, go into a Sweet 16 situation with a South Carolina, I could imagine Juju Watkins just having one of those games where it's like, right. oh, wow, she went for 40 points. Yeah. And, like, they could not stop her. Yeah, and if the role I, players
1: I, hit their threes like they did against Colorado, yeah. like, if you're shooting 68%, you're be, like South <laughs> Carolina's not anyone. winning that fucking game. I don't care.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. I think I, you know, it's an outside shot, but yeah, sure. I'd give it to them. And you know, they have the they have the um the benefit of of Juju Watkins cheating with her magnets and her buns. Um, I don't know if you've heard that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I saw. How go, do to our, go to our, go to I think I think Avery tweeted it from our No Drug Stops account. That TikTok that said that she's got the high button and she's got magnets there that are keeping her upright. (laughs)
1: How do you feel about UCLA? Because they are the team to me that I've, I've earlier in the season, obviously, but they were the team I watched the most where I was like, this looks like a complete team, potential best team in the country at their peak of this season. Um, I haven't felt that way necessarily about any of the other teams when I've watched them at their peak. Uh, but it seems like they've UCLA's fallen off a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think uh, in terms of the national title contenders, I think they have the talent. I think they're as talented as almost anyone in the country. Lauren Betts uh, is uh, damn good. I think she's a, a monster, um, has, has kind of figured it out. It's frustrating to watch sometimes. <laughs> but but she's good uh, they've got great guard play from kiki rice and charisma osborne they've got good wing play good defenders gabriella uh a great defender a really energetic player angela dugalich is a good shooter london jones a knockdown shooter. like they have they've got everything i think they're balanced i think what they have what what's what's wrong with them is that they are <laughs> it feels like they are one player not having a good game away from getting their ass beat at any given time. It happened earlier this season. I mean, they played, they go to the road and play at Stanford. Their only chance to play Stanford, by the way, they, as long as they don't have to play in a tournament situation, that's the only time they get to play Stanford. Lauren Betts was out. They got their asses beat. It was non-competitive for all of it. Um, and Lauren Betts being out basically made them a non-competitive team. I don't know that you can have a national title contending team that, looks completely different when their best player is not out on the floor or you know when maybe not their best but maybe their biggest player for sure and maybe the most important just because of what she does for them offensively and maybe defensively i don't know but then they go and they beat utah in poly pavilion by 30 they beat this shit out of uh oregon everyone does i guess at this point so i'm not sure ucla is giving me fraud vibes i'm i'm re- feeling really weird about them colorado i do think has is a national title contending contending team though i think they have a lot of depth i think you've got to get one of those players to have their johnny juzang run who is going to have that run uh jaylen sherrod could do it um I, they got to hope that she has that kind of run frida foreman can do it honestly frida foreman would be is is kind of perfect for march but she's got to shoot um shoot well Utah I don't think is a national title contending team though. I th- I think they're a good team. I think they'll get to a sweet 16. They probably could upset a team with the right matchups, but I don't I would not pick them to get past a sweet 16 to make it past the second weekend. So yeah, I mean, I think they've got several national title contenders. I think there's some teams with some real question marks. The problem is is that, you know, I'm talking about these teams as if they have real question marks, but I'm forgetting that they're losing to top 15 top 10 teams. <laughs> like yeah. UCLA it's like, "Oh, they got their ass beat by Stanford," which is what ranks third in AP poll or whatever right now. Yeah. Third in the current AP poll. Um, I'm talking about Colorado being like, yeah, they're not balanced. Jalen straw didn't have a good game because they just lost to the 10th team in the AP poll. No, it's the seventh team in the AP poll. Um, I'm talking about USC they only have Juju Watkins. who knows what's going to happen. But like, you know, they've ran through a bunch of top 10 teams. So I, I think that our perceptions, like it's easy to see the number by South Carolina's name and be like, Oh, they haven't lost. They're not playing in the Pac-12. It's completely different when you have to like go on a trip to the LA schools and you've got two top 10 teams like waiting in the wings with UCLA and USC. That's just like not, it's not happening in the SEC. And it's happening with Colorado, Utah. You've got to do that trip. Um, It's happening all the time. So we'll find out. Um, All right. Let's get to one quick thing here before we end it. Talk about the conference tournaments. Both of these conference tournaments are going to be intriguing for very different reasons. The men's tournament, we've talked a little bit about it. It's going to be intriguing because the bottom can absolutely upset the top. Uh, I I think Sands, Oregon State, and even then I don't feel good about excluding them. I think everyone in the Pac-12, anyone, any of these teams, any of the 11, I would not be shocked if they won the Pac-12 tournament. I think USC, the 11th team in the standings, they could win the Pac-12 tournament. I think Stanford if they got hot, could win the PAC 12 tournament, Utah could win UCLA could win or Arizona and Washington state, obviously the best teams. But I think that there's a lot of different teams who could win the men's side on the women's side. Obviously it's intriguing because you have really fucking good teams. Um, Stanford, Oregon state, USC, us, UCLA, Colorado, Utah. I mean, six, half of the field are top 25 teams. Um, Four of those are like top ten. No, five of them are top ten caliber teams. I mean, we have Stanford at three, USC at seven, Oregon State at nine, Colorado at eleven, UCLA at twelve. Um, so that that is intriguing for a completely different reason. Kind of makes, kind of makes the first round of that tournament really stinky because I don't really yeah. want to watch. You know, what would it be? Cal Wazoo, Wazoo's without Charlize Ledger Walker. So like that kind of sucks. But like I don't know. Arizona uh you know who would it be Arizona Oregon or something like that I don't really want to watch that uh, those are bad teams they're not good teams but the top half of the league is is what makes that interesting to me so um let's start with the men's side of this dark horse it's not Arizona it's not Washington State winning the Pac-12 tournament who would you pick out of outside of those two
1: I I think Oregon can do it. I do think Oregon can actually (laughs) do it. Okay, he's honking. (laughs) I think three games, we've seen seen Altman teams pull it off before. And they've been competitive in all of these games. Oregon- It's true. Oregon-Wazoo both times. One in Pullman, lost a very close game in Eugene. That doesn't scare me. I think- We'll see how things go against Arizona. They may need someone else to clean up Arizona on the other side of the bracket. Hopefully, um, I think Oregon can really do it. Though they need they if they just need three games. It's like when Shellstad's good, when Cuisinart's doing his thing, and then you have Enfali Dante, looks like one of the best players in the conference uh, when he's fully healthy and in shape. So. I like Oregon, honestly, um, as an outside shot, I definitely think there's a world where they can go on a run here. I
0: think that's true. Yeah. I I think that they're there, uh, and capable of doing that. Uh, I'll be a honk and say UCLA. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think UCLA has the, but they've got to figure it out. They've got some stuff to figure out. Both of those two teams have to figure it out. But if I'm not, if I'm being non a non honk, I'm trying to put that aside. I think it, I God, honestly, I'm, I'm between two teams that I think have a shot at like making a, a wild Pac-12 tournament run. And one's wild and one's not. The not wild one, Colorado. I think Colorado yeah. could do it. I think KJ Simpson is exactly the kind of player who can take over games. Tristan De Silva. I'm not sure how much you can expect out of him given how he's played this season, but certainly, you know, maybe one of the three most talented players on the court at any given time. Cody Williams, like he could have a freshman, a a big freshman breakout tournament. Like it seems like he could have a big March. He might be set up for that. Um, So Colorado is like a really, really intriguing dark horse to me. Um, The other dark horse, it's like really weird and out of it. I think it's Cal. Uh, Cal has ton of scoring options um defensively it, they go through waves but they've got um great score a, a great individual score in Jalen Tyson like maybe one of the five best individual scorers in the Pac-12 um they've got a great knockdown shooter in Jalen Cohn. they've got one of the three best big men if not I'm trying to think of who the big great big men are in this conference Fardal's I- IMAC has a real argument for that um They've got a pretty decent death depth. Depth. Um, well, no, they don't. I mean, I was looking at Grant Newell is like pretty good, but after that, they don't. They don't have much else. Um, but you know, they've got a bunch of shooters. They're a really. They can get hot. Um, Cal, I think, is a team that I would like. If I was picking, if you had to tell me who's replicating twenty twenty one Oregon State's run, my pick would be Cal. Cal is giving me the biggest twenty twenty one vibes. Um, so. I'm, uh, Grapes is in the chat, uh, saying that she's picking ASU. She's Frankie Collins pilled. I think that's a good one too. Like Frankie Collins could take over a game and Arizona state has a bunch of dudes who are like, oh yeah, they can like Frankie Collins can take over a game. Jemaya Neal can take over a game. Jose Perez can shoot the lights out. Like if he gets, you know, he takes 10 threes and goes five for 10 or something like that, like. Arizona state has a good shot of winning. They've got a lot of talented dudes They're that they're not even really using Kamari lands coming off the bench. Uh, they're not really even using him. Um, Sean Phillips is a big guy. I don't know how much else I could say about Sean Phillips, but, um, I think Arizona state's a good pick too. I mean, man, we, we could name four different teams. We're like, yeah, we could see it. I could see USC doing it too. I could see Isaiah Collier, like the lights, everything just flipping. Bronny James, everything flips. Boogie Ellis, they figure out how to play with
1: one another. Gonna be weird. Um, yeah. I, I want it to be but, Cal, though. If you're telling me who's the team I'm going to be loudest for at the Pac-12 tournament, aside from Oregon, it's Cal. It's Cal. We are getting I into really... it for Cal. Like I'm going to be sad if Cal loses. It's going to be fun on that first, like, most excited game I am on Wednesday. Whoever Cal's playing, I'm hopping on the Cal <laughs> bandwagon.
0: Cal, I, God, I really hope that at least we get to we get them into Thursday. I mean... um they're a half game back of a first round bye by the way (laughs) i know (laughs) like we could see them on thursday regardless man gonna be really really interesting so that's that's fun on that side i just want
1: arizona to lose so badly i wish arizona was not this would be if arizona does not win it will be electric one way or another it will be electric so long as arizona does not win (laughs)
0: yeah that would be the most boring outcome i think
1: for sure i think
0: um okay let's move on to the women's side this is a a true bloodbath i got to go back and do the bracketing for this one as well Um, but obviously there are six top 25 teams it's hard to say if there's a dark i think we can agree there's not a dark horse who is winning this conference tournament right like it's going to be one of the six (laughs) to have the
1: conference like i think they have an overwhelming Shot at being one of those six teams, right? Well, that's the thing. Is I think uh I think the semis and the finals will be extremely fun for the on yeah. the women's side. But like, I mean, I could even cut it off at Utah. Do I? Do I really think Utah can win the Pac-12 tournament? I don't think so. <sighs> and they're a top twenty team. I mean, maybe. Yeah, may, you're right. but you're like, right. you have a. You're right. No, you're right. I don't think they have a Um, It's really those. Five teams, Stanford, USC, Oregon, UCLA, and Colorado. And it makes it fun. Like Undoubtedly, semifinal and final, the quality of basketball will be a lot higher than on the men's side. Uh, But it makes the chaos part of that tournament a little less interesting because it's a murderous row for all those bottom teams. They do not have a hope in the same way the men's side are one upset away from having a wide open path
0: yeah um the four buys right now for the women uh if the season ended right now before colorado and ucla tip off stanford oregon state usc and ucla would get the first round buys yeah. uh in that order one two three four um the first round matchups would be colorado and oregon snooze uh utah and arizona state snooze arizona and washington actually that'd be kind of intriguing I mean, they're kind of competitive teams and then cal and wazoo um, would be the first round matchups. So yeah, I think out of the six, grapes is saying here, out of the six, Utah would be the most shocking. I think that is right. I would be most shocked if Utah figured it out. I would say, I, I would say you're right, Reed. I think it's one of those five though, um, and I have a hard time seeing like, and none of them are dark horses to me, honestly. Like, no. if USC wins, if USC wins, it's like, yeah, okay, like they any of those five teams, Colorado, UCLA, USC, Oregon State, Stanford all five of those teams have at different points in this season had an argument for best team in the Pac-12 to me, like, and I've gone back and forth. UCLA felt early. Like they were the best team in the Pac-12 Stanford took the mantle for a while. Oregon state took the mantle for a while. Colorado had the mantle for a while. USC. They're the one they've got the baton right now. I would say like, I would say right now they're the best team in the Pac-12, but like, that's going to change. It's just, Gonna be wild. I'm 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 flirting with the idea of trying to get out there for the the semis, um, but it's just so much travel. I hate that they don't overlap. Like, how cool would it be if we got the semis like the day before yeah. the men's like Wednesday opening? I guess I'd put them on a Tuesday. That's kind of shitty. Like, but on a Tuesday night, like the semis, like that would be cool. I God. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm flirting with it. If I'm see, let's see if I get impulsive. We'll look at the flights and see if I'm, if I'm willing to make it. I'm, I'm already in trouble for spending a lot of money uh, on other trips anyway. <laughs> um, okay. Any other, uh, any other thoughts about this? I, it's going to be fun. I, I think that Wednesday will be kind of poopy. I think, you know, unless you're really into Arizona UW, but both those teams are ugly. Like they do not play well. Um, so we'll see. Graves is saying you should go. Yeah, okay, you should go. How about I'm going to bring it on
1: you, Graves? You pay money to go. Um, I think, um, I believe the West Regional, just to float another trip out there for you, uh, and Graves, I suppose, I think the West Regional runs through Portland this year as well.
0: That's right, Yep.
1: Yeah, yep so yeah uh, that would be blast odds, and odds are, could- yeah odds are someone's gonna be there someone's gonna get that one seed probably from the pac-12 because who else wants the west regional and right maybe two teams from the pac-12 will be in that Sweet 16 hopefully yeah we'll see
0: um all right well that's it that's all we got thank you all for joining us this ended up being longer than i had envisioned but lots of basketball to talk about i guess uh, we got some great women's hoops today. Um, we'll find out. We'll find out what the end, what, how we feel about backdoor women's hoops after today. Uh, maybe a new best team will emerge. Maybe it'll be UCLA again. We'll find out. Anyway, that's Reed. I'm Carlos. There's grapes down there in the chat at BraveGrapes. Anyway, that's all I have. Thank you to Homefield for sponsoring this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, there are no truck stops here.
1: Not even one.
0: Rumor's still
1: and thick with smoke. So thick it makes you chill The crowd falls in The cup is kicking And my patience to wearing thin
0: Said I'm lonelier Than a single sax On a quiet city street
1: Things aren't always greener On the sunny side of the street And I don't mind If the sun don't shine Bloody weather suits me fine Pouring another the best wine On the boat tonight I think I'll be a superstar